Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are here, back with you all, for the week leading up to the third Sunday in Lent. That'll be March 20th, and we'll be talking about the gospel uh, from Luke chapter 13 for this upcoming Sunday. We thank you all for joining us back here in this podcast world again. And uh, before we get into the gospel, like every week, we want to share a God sighting. And by we, I mean me. Yes, David. David, let me ask you. Oh, yeah. David, where have you seen God moving in the world this week? Okay, so mine is... um, in my Lenten practice that I have taken on, um, in the past I've given up something, but this Lent, uh, my wife and I, Mary Lynn and I, were talking about what we wanted to do for our Lenten practice, and she was like, "I would, you know, what I would love to do is like have a art practice every day, so do art every day." Mm-hmm. But it just feels like so, like it would take so much time and like energy and i was like well what if we think about it not as like you have to make this big art project every day but like just have 50 40 pages in a journal and like just by the end of lent at the end of every day the pages has to have something on it Mm. it could just be a dot you know um last night she actually wrote just the word art Uh and that was it yeah (laughs) it's very artistic it's nice so just like low bar uh, low barrier to entry, low energy, but still a practice, something intentional. And and like that is, it's so nice because like I do, I do art therapy, which I love and I've been doing it for like three years or more, something like that. And I go to an art studio and there's like a check-in with the therapist and then we, I do some sort of art and then we like notice things about it. And the whole point is that like the art that we're making is all representative of something inside of us you Mm -hmm. know and so a great way of like entering into maybe some like more shadowy parts of ourselves or some things that we're having a hard time grappling with is just to like make something Mm -hmm. you know and then notice things about it and and see how it connects to things in your life anyways i really love that space and just like having that time and so i that's where i've felt god moving you know, is just in like the practice of doing that, of like intentionally taking time, even if it's five minutes or if it's 30 minutes or whatever, just like at the end of the day, um, sitting down with whatever markers or crayons or colored pencils or whatever, and just like doing the next thing on the page, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just love that feeling of, um, the way I like to do it and the way I feel God moving in it is just like this invitation to not have an idea of what it has to look like when it's done. The way that I do it is just like pick up the color that I feel like I want to pick up next and just make the color on, put out the color on the page the way it feels good and then mm. move on to the next color when it feels like it and when it feels like it's done. So it really is about like paying attention to myself, being in touch with my body, what my what I'm feeling and like having that kind of gut like body wisdom to know like what, what the next thing is uh, and just like trusting the next impulse and, and moving in that way. And that's like how I really genuinely want to be in life, just gen- generally, mm-hmm. um, especially as like a anxious, worrying kind of person, you know, to be able to let go of an, of an outcome, but also know that I have the wisdom I need to make the next move, you know, to do the next thing and just focus on one one step at a time. 
And so that's why I like it for as a Lenten practice. I like it as a year long practice, but especially in Lent of like recognizing the ways maybe I, I like in terms of like thinking about repentance or the ways that I'm, I'm feeling like that kind of suffering is like when I'm getting too far ahead of myself, like what can I, how can I like turn back and be here now, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, that's where I feel have felt God. Well, and I love it, David, for two reasons. One, very often when we decide to take something on that we always set a really high bar for it. We always set like this expectation of the pinnacle of success, right? Mm -hmm. That it is going to be a mountaintop experience and we are going to have achieved this huge coursework, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to get there and be transformed. Mm -hmm. Um, But by setting the low bar, you have opened the door to to achieving it. Um, And it will still transform you. Yeah. Um, and I name that because the other piece that came up for me is, and I think I've said this on the podcast before that my standard prayer practice, um, is I walk every morning mm-hmm. and whatever comes in, I name off of my heart. I have people I pray for during it, but a lot of times it's just noticing what comes up for me while I'm walking. And, and I consider that like a body prayer mm-hmm. that started as a Lenten practice five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have walked just about every single day, walked and prayed every single day because I didn't say I had to walk five miles. I didn't say I had to do it at a 25% incline. I didn't Mm -hmm. set any of these really high expectations. I set a low bar for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also like it because like the low bar makes it non-productive. Like it's not supposed Mm -hmm. to produce something. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's like, it's just meant to, to be, to help, to help us be where we are. Mm-hmm. you know, in our bodies, in the moment. And that transformation, whatever that might be, can arise from that, but not in like a controlled production kind of way, you know. And in some ways, I think transformation and productivity are like polar opposites of one another. Like when mm-hmm. we go in to produce things, we really more often get stuck, I think, uh, than when we go in to try to like just waste time. Mm-hmm. You know? Or just be open to what's going to right. come without right. an expectation of a product. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly right process process oriented mm-hmm. you know all right so that was my god sighting this week uh and i hope you're feeling or not feeling god's movement and being aware of it in your life that's mm-hmm. you know we don't have to feel god um sometimes it's enough to feel the the absence of god's presence and that is important too uh no matter what you're feeling though we would love to hear from you uh, we'd love to hear your experience of this Lenten season, maybe what your practice is, mm-hmm. it, what your practice is, what you have, if that's taking something on or giving something up, whatever you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to hear any of your questions or stories or comments from this week of faith discussion and reflection based on what we talk about in the podcast or what you see or read or reflect on using the resources on myfaithtogo.org. You can contact us through that website, myfaithtogo.org, where you can also find all those resources every week for personal reflection, family discussion, or community conversation. You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can uh, tag us or follow us on Instagram at faithtogo. And you can also uh, give us a call, leave us a voicemail, or send us a text message at 562-384-7638. That's 562-FTGpod8. And you can find all of those ways of contacting us listed in the description to this episode. So if you just scroll down on your screen, however you're listening, you can find links to to get in contact with us. And so 
We're now going to move into our gospel discussion. Charlotte and I are each going to share a point after she reads the gospel, and I'll give some context. Uh, the, we're talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, the third Sunday in Lent, halfway through. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is for Sunday, March 20th. The gospel is Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He had asked them, Do you think that these Galileans suffered in this way because they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? I tell you, but unless you repent, you all will perish as they did. Or those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. All right, here we are. Luke chapter 13, the very beginning of Luke chapter 13. If you remember from last week's podcast for Lent 2, we were in Luke chapter 13, but the end. So we're going Mm -hmm. backwards in the story. And so this is before uh, Jesus calls Herod a fox. And actually he's talking about the other kind of big ruling figure in this area of Judea, Pilate, who we'll hear. And we'll hear about both Herod and Pilate later on in the Gospels. Uh, today he's talking about Pilate, who is the governor in Jerusalem. And so Herod was more of like the local ruler in Galilee, and Pilate is like the Roman-appointed ruler. Uh, so like Herod's part of the Jewish community. Pilate is a Roman, and mm-hmm. like a Roman uh, governor sent to, you know, really keep the oppression at the level it needs to be for Rome to occupy Judea. So so when Jesus is talking about this terrible thing that Pilate did, it's most likely that Pilate is like doing something um, to con- to convey the power of Rome over the Jewish people. You know, like this is like a scare tactic, whatever happened. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is talking about two things that we really have no other context for in the other gospels. I don't think any in the other gospels uh, there's reference to this tower falling or to this thing Herod's done about mingling people's blood with sacrifices, which sounds terrible and probably just a way of exhibiting a kind of power that, that Rome has over, over the people in Judea. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. Chapter 13, the very beginning. So we're going backwards from where we were last week. Jesus is referencing these, these two really brutal, terrible events that must have been at the forefront of everybody's mind when he was uh, talking. So he's talking about some current events, things that are really just happening and people are, grappling with what it means and this is what this is where theology emerges is things happening and then we grapple with why with what it Mm -hmm. means that they happened with how we're supposed to understand this in light of our understandings of god and the world and so jesus is doing that kind of theologizing in that real time kind of news cycle kind of way so Mm -hmm. that's where we are and charlotte has the first point i love this parable because it actually makes me think of my family Um, the parable that we get at the second half of this gospel. And so 
my husband's parents lived in Brockton, Massachusetts, pretty much their whole lives. And they had a really tiny plot of land. And on their tiny little postage stamp of land was the most glorious garden I had ever seen in my whole life. Um, They spent all of their time outside tending to it, um, deciding on which way the pathways would go through it, on what would be planted where, how the plants were in relationship with each other. Um, They were out there every afternoon, every evening, early mornings. It It was their great love other than their children. And so I met my husband in the early spring, which meant I met his parents shortly thereafter. And spring and summer in New England is glorious before, you know, the snow comes or as we say, the great gray beast of February. Um, But like in the spring and summer, gardens are resplendent. And Tim's dad, Don, um, would always be out there working on it. And he cared for them, just like this gardener's talking about here. He would dig around things. He would amend the soil. Um, he would make sh- if it wasn't doing well in this spot, maybe he would move it to another spot and try again. Um, and so, like love and intention went into this whole process. And he would also cut things down to within an inch of their life. The first time I saw him do it was absolutely shocking to me. I truthfully thought that he was doing it to pull it out of the ground, like cutting it all the way down so that then he had less to like wrestle with to like pull it up and compost it because this plant was no more. Um, And I vividly remember saying to him, dad, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And, And he said, sometimes you have to cut it all the way back. And I still sit with that. Sometimes you have to cut it all the way back. And he followed it up by saying, and it's either going to grow back or it's going to die. And this parable always speaks to that for me because it kind of falls somewhere in the middle of this story. Like there is the cut it down and throw it out that we hear at the beginning of the story. And there is the dig around it and put manure on it that comes later in it. Um, And we definitely do not get closure in this parable. Nobody finds out what happens to this poor tree um, in this parable, if it actually bears fruit or doesn't. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking that sometimes we need more than digging around it and placing manure. Sometimes that like active pruning is a part of what has to happen too. And, you know, living into this parable nature of it and applying the tree to maybe our own lives, that there's times in which we need to care for and nurture ourselves. And there's times that we need to cut things out. Um, And maybe that's behaviors that aren't healthy in our life. Maybe it's patterns that we have slipped into. And sometimes most difficultly, it's relationships. Um, It's relationships that are no longer feeding us that actually are harming us and and the people that we care about also. And I really am interested in that application of it, of considering like for me, as I've read this gospel this week. And so then as I think about this gospel all week long, which is how the pattern works for me, is what is it that I need to cut back so that I can grow or that relationship can grow? Or if it doesn't, if it in fact dies from this pruning, then what will I plant instead? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so cool. And especially thinking about that in 
the context of the Lenten season and this lead up to what we know is going to be the end of Lent, which is Easter and the resurrection and new life. It's like the, the combination, just like in the story, it's like new life can't really happen unless, you know, there's this like pruning and, and scaling back and like reimagining and rethinking and, and having a different way of being in the future. Maybe like in this Lenten season, all these things we're doing again, aren't just to, to feel bad for what we've done, but to recognize the things that aren't working for us, Mm -hmm. you know, and to be honest about that when, and to be honest, and like the only way that we're going to be able to know that is if we can be attuned to our own kind of suffering and tension and frustration. It's like, are those things just inherent in life because they have to be there or are they indicative of something that we could change some different way of being in the world, some different kind of future that we could have. And so can we imagine a different way of being a different way of doing things that, that will ease that kind of unnecessary suffering that we're, that we're carrying with us. And those are kind of, those can be personal things, but those can also be like communal and global things, you know, Mm -hmm. like reimagining different futures for our communities or for the world. And, and that work doesn't happen in six weeks, but like the seeds of that can be planted now, you know, in this time of reflection and scaling down and giving things up. Like that's why we give things up. Not so we can like, not just, to to say oh i'm tempted by this thing but like to clear out space to like mm-hmm. prune so, yeah. do the pruning richard Rohr had an email this last week talking about pruning and it was this kind of pruning in japanese gardens where you're like cutting off like you said hel- this one's like even cutting off healthy branches mm-hmm. to like let more light down into the garden you know like to to create space you know for beauty to emerge uh, when things can get so cluttered up, you know, especially in a world where we're all about like having things, you know, and whether that's like people or ideas or feelings or actual stuff or (laughs) or chocolate or food or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like all this stuff can get in the way of, of what we really deeply want, you know, in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and so I was thinking about the first half of the story for my point this week, and I was inspired by your your thought in that, in the the idea that like nothing nothing will nothing new will happen, nothing new will grow, you know, unless this pruning happens, unless we do have some sort of change, you know, or in our theological language, we have some sort of repentance, mm-hmm. we have some sort of change of mind or behavior, or we do some turning and. Um, Maybe turn back to ourselves and see what's going on with us. Return back to God and check in with, you know, God in us and, and what we're feeling called to. But um, I just, I love, uh, in Lent, these readings are all about, like, repentance and sin. And yet Jesus is pushing on some of our even, our more kind of, like, that kind of just, like, offhand popular theology that we have about curses and blessings or, like, mm-hmm. the way God moves in the world or even God's providence, how things happen because God wills them to happen. And right here, Jesus is saying, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, either because of what Pilate did or because of the collapse of this tower, that they were worse than other Galileans? Do you think that they, because of things they did, this terrible thing happened to them? And he's like, nope, it's, that's not why. That's not how things work. Uh, like God doesn't punish people because of what they do 
which is like a really big thing for Jesus to say, because I think oh, many of us carry around that kind of feeling, or at mm-hmm. least that's kind of like the foundation of a lot of, a lot of theology um, in a lot of places. Jesus is saying no. And at the same time, like there is still something for us to change in our lives. So there's still work for us to do. So it's, he's kind of living into this in-between place of like, no, God is not out there punishing you for what you've done. And at the same time, you need to, there are things that we need to do differently in the future. Um, and I think it's really just like, I, I love also here how Jesus is like responding in, in this way to people in like a pastoral way, mm-hmm. because they're not in Jerusalem, they're in Galilee. And so what he's, what it seems to be is that like terrible things have happened to people from Galilee that have been living in Jerusalem. And these are the people that know them. Like this is their hometown crowd. And so like reports have come back to these people in Galilee that those who they know and love have gone to Jerusalem and these terrible things have happened to them. And Jesus is kind of like saying this in like a comforting way almost, which Mm -hmm. is like, do you think that they died because they were bad? No, they weren't bad. This, like some of them died because of corruption, mm-hmm. like because of terrible, terrible things that like the Roman government is doing, that they're using these terrible tactics to oppress us. That's not their fault. They didn't bring this on themselves. And then this other thing about the, the collapse of the tower, I mean, you know, who knows what happened in this tower collapse or what they were working on or what the tower was. There's not a whole lot of clarity on what that was. But I just like, I love that Jesus is like responding to their sadness and his response is not everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not what Jesus is saying. Jesus mm-hmm. is saying the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying these terrible things have happened and it wasn't because of something they did. It wasn't because God wanted it to happen. This is suffering that happened in the world and we just have to be with it. And yet at the same time, like what does it prompt in us to do or change? Like how is this suffering when we can be with it transforming us? What are we feeling called to in terms of repentance Mm -hmm. when we think about what needs to turn in us. Uh, and so I, I'm just like, I'm struck with kind of Jesus's in between position here, you know, not putting it on God's will that these people died. It's not that clear cut for Jesus, you know, but it's also not, it's also not that there's nothing for the people listening to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's some, somewhere in between that we're like, that God is moving with us in whatever is happening. And that we are, you know, invited to discern our way forward and to become aware of, yeah, what we want for ourselves and for our communities. And at the same time, you know, what needs to change in the world? Because Jesus is right. If things don't change, this is still going to, this is going to keep happening, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, how can we bring about that kind of change towards justice in the future so that people don't die of this kind of unnecessary suffering. Yeah. Well, and David, as you were talking, I started thinking about something that happened in spiritual nurture this week. We are studying Psalm 103 this week with the upper grade classes because we've just switched months, which means we've just switched virtues and our virtues this month is compassion. So we were reading 103 as a, as a response to that. And, um, 
at the end of reading the psalm, I always say to them, okay, so what did you notice? What stood out for you? Um, before I go into anything else I had planned, I always want to know, like, what did you notice? What, what was mattered to you in it? And one of the hands went up, um, and it was in relation to verses um, 8 through 10, which read, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Mm-hmm. And when I asked the young person who said that that part stood out to them, I said, well, you know, well, why? Why did that stand out to you? Um, and she said that God loves us no matter what. And it's not that we don't need to change, that we don't need to do it differently when we're making mistakes, um, but that nothing that we do affects how much God loves us. And I think that that's clearly what I'm hearing you reflect on also in this first section, right? That this isn't about payment for mistakes made, um, that sometimes these things happen and it's not a result of those things. Um, and that God's peace in that isn't punishment for sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I love how, like you said, when you were talking about the parable, how the ending is unclear. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is so true and Jesus knows that like we don't know how it will turn out you know that's what he's saying to them is like you we know what suffering has happened you know but we don't know what will be true in the future God Jesus is saying like there is something more dynamic happening you know and like how we respond to the suffering of the world um, is what's most important mm-hmm. not trying to explain it away uh, to make ourselves feel better about the fact that it happened, but like being able to sit with it and see what changes in us, see what repentance emerges in us and how we want to change things in the future. So those were our two points for this week. Uh, number one was Charlotte's point, and it was about the second half of the story, the parable of the fig tree and, and the garden and the importance of uh, in this season of Lent figuring out what we can let go of in order to create space for new things to emerge for, for growth in our lives. And the second was mine going back to the first half of the story, just Jesus pushing back on this idea that um, God makes things happen or makes suffering happen because of sin or because of what people do. Jesus is very clear that that's not true. And at the same time, Jesus wants people to, to become aware of the suffering, to be with the suffering and um, to grow in ways that, um, that, that decrease the kind of suffering in the world, that it that doesn't need to exist. So having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what you think about this gospel. What would your third point have been if you'd been on the podcast this week? We'd also love to hear about your spiritual practices for Lent. Any stories or questions or comments from your week of faith discussion and reflection, you can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website where you'll find all of those faith to go resources every week, myfaith2go.org. You can follow us or tag us on Instagram at faith to go, and you can also call us and leave a voicemail or send us a text message, 562-384-7638. That's 562-FTG-POD8. And you can find all of those contact, those ways of contacting us listed in this podcast episode description. And we will be back next week for the fourth Sunday in Lent with special guest Alex Howard. No, I cannot wait to have Alex back on the podcast. So fun. And until next time, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.